Hello and welcome to the Swimming Ideas Podcast. My name is Jeff and I am your host for today. This is episode number 54, an interview with Jennifer Butler. Now, we haven't done an interview style podcast before and it goes a little longer than your typical podcast event. This is about an hour and 15 minutes and I hope that you'll find some really, really good information that I know is in here. Now, my conversation with Jen is very exciting because we get into the nitty-gritty details of how swim lesson programs work. Let's get started. I know you're going to love it. That's right, everyone. Today we are having an interview-style podcast, and we're going to go into our conversation with Jen Butler from Roots Aquatics in Massachusetts, and we're going to talk about how her program works. Now, I want you to take particular attention to a few things that she mentions in this podcast. Now, when we spoke, we spoke for about an hour, and we talked about her program and what she does to make her uh, swim lessons a success. And one of the things that I really think is great about Jen's program is how she integrates her uh, education background and puts it into swim lessons. There are games that she plays. She gets these simple props and toys, especially when she starts talking about the books and reading stories and having the kids take paintbrushes and paint themselves with the paintbrush. It's a phenomenal way to integrate uh, learning and storytelling and action and doing and getting involved in the swimming process that is beyond just jumping in the water or doing jumps or floats or glides or some, you know, the more mundane swim lesson stuff that we do. Jen has a diverse and wide history and experience with swim lessons. And I know that you're going to find some really good quality uh, tips and tricks and tactics for that you can take and put into your program. Now, with that said, I would like to do more of these interview-style podcasts, but I need your help. If you listen to this podcast and you have any interest at all in being a guest on this show and sharing your message with the hundreds of people that listen to this podcast every month, they will get benefit from it just as you are right now. I certainly enjoy talking about swim lessons and swim teaching swimming and can go on and on for hours about it, as I'm sure you've heard in the last 53 episodes. But we can do that together, and I want to share your story. So connect with me, jeff at swimmingideas.com, and send me an email. Let me know that you're interested. With that said, let's get started. We're going to talk to Jen Butler right now. Here we go. Okay, I have Jen Butler with me, and she has been teaching at the Root Swim School since it opened in March of 2015. Uh, she worked previously at YMCA's in her area, and she's been a swim instructor for the last 11 years and a preschool teacher for seven years. She is now the aquatic coordinator at the Root Swim School, and she said that one of her passions is to try and mesh both worlds together, teaching and swim instructing while in the pool. Uh, Jen, how are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for joining for me. Ah, joining me today. Um, <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, and just to start off, if you could tell us a little bit about how you got started teaching swimming and swim lessons. So when I was 15 years old, I actually, I uh, my mother shot me off at the local YMCA and got me certified as a lifeguard and was like, I'm not leaving until you get a job. <laughs> and <laughs> ever since then, I have been in the swimming world. I actually was a competitive swimmer since I was 10 years old. Um, and then I swam all the way up through high school and then in college. And then um, all through that, I taught swim lessons as my part-time job. And I got into teaching preschool and doing both. And um, so I've just been nonstop teaching swimming as like a second job. And now finally, I'm actually doing running the program and helping set up uh, lesson plans and new ideas and trainings and everything. I'm their aquatic coordinator right now at Root Swim School. So that is my aquatic life so far. I, I feel like that echoes a lot of people's experiences. In my own, it was, I taught at 16. You know, I became a lifeguard. I taught at the outdoor pools every year. It was my part-time job, and then I became 
a full full time job, and you're now an aquatic professional, is what I would probably term you as, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and can you just go into a little more detail about what you do now as the aquatic coordinator? So I am a CPO certified. So I'm actually, I uh, help run the pools, make sure that the chemicals are all set. Um, I do the lifeguard schedule. I train my lifeguards. Um, I also attend training for swim instructing so that I can bring it back for my instructors. I uh, come up with lesson plans every week for the instructors. Um, I actually write a blog for all of them so that they have oh, like another way to another way to look at it. Um, they get pictures, videos, videos from other swim schools about what we're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, what is that blog? <laughs> what do you, is that a shared blog for, or is that just for your staff? It's just for my staff. I haven't. Okay. Um, a lot of the pictures and the videos are um, parents only gave me waivers for just yes. for our, our personal staff, not yes. to be public, but. I actually follow um, Little Flippers in uh, Natick and Winchester. They actually gave me the idea to do it for okay. my staff. Mm-hmm. But um, I can also print out some pictures and lesson plans if you want to see some or email them. Sure. Um, <clears throat> what else? <laughs> what else? <laughs> I also help out with camp. Um, I do swim. I do the swim lessons for our camp. We're actually starting a camp for all three of our complexes. Wow. We have in athletics. Um, center, a gymnastic center, and our aquatic center. So they're all going to be one this year. And then this summer, I'm going to be help running the swim program for all all the different centers. Wow. Yeah. And you wear many hats, I'm sure. And it sounds like from this. Like like many (laughs) aquatic directors do. Uh, That's fantastic. You know, I the, one of the big things that jumped out at me here was the that you write a blog for your swim instructors and that mm-hmm. you put pictures and weekly lesson plans. Uh, that's a lot of time and effort to do all that. Mm-hmm. How are you, do you batch it? Do you, um, you know, what's um, kind of your process for that? Like on Mondays, do you do it or? Yeah, on Monday. Well, the great thing is because we started our program on a Tuesday all our Monday swim lessons are actually lagging behind. Okay. So they're a week behind everybody, which is awesome. Yeah. And I can get the lesson plan ready on Mondays and get it out to everybody. Um, we actually just recently went to 20 weeks instead of eight weeks sessions. So um, actually ever since we opened, we never really had, we never really adopted a specific swim program we actually put a lot of different programs into one with a lot of ideas from our instructors so we use a mixture of Andy Boydo we use a mix uh, with uh, American Red Cross and then a lot of ideas from our um, our seasoned instructors that have been teaching for 40 years 12 years just as much as I have so we use a lot of their ideas to go in with it Let's talk about a little bit about that then. So you said you didn't use a, a specific national program like American Red Cross. Everyone knows Red Cross. They uh, was that you YMCA is a little bit different there, which is what you came up with, uh, right? Yeah, the Y um why I worked for they did use American Red Cross and they used um and they used what do you want to call it uh, YMCA. So they did their safety through Red Cross. Um. But that I do the same thing. I do. I love their whale tails and um, their. <laughs> I love whale tails. It's my favorite because awesome. all the little slogans like "Be cool, be cool, follow the rules." All the like throw, don't ones. go. Yep. Yeah, reach, throw, don't go. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Look before you leap. They're like my favorite. Oh, they're great. So that I think that's a great way, especially for young kids, to remember safety. Anything that's rhyming. Um, Again, drawing in my teaching teaching styles and learning from that. Uh, can you can you talk a little more about your program and what like what's your core criteria? What is your when you're because when you're designing your levels, which a lot of people do, they look at Red Cross or they look at the YMCA and they're like, okay, this we like this, but it doesn't fit what we want to achieve. Um, what was kind of your guiding principle in creating your different groups and levels, and then how did what were like 
kind of walk us through what a beginner would have to do and then the next step? So when we first started, it was very age driven. Um, our, our, um, our owner actually is a gymnast and uh, came from the gymnastics world and that's how they group their, their gymnasts. Um, they do different levels for different age groups. So, um, in the swimming world, it's more based on swimming ability and then, and then ages. So we kind of went from there. We started with ages and then we built our program, um, around ages and, uh, different levels. It's actually been a work in progress. We actually just added two new levels this past semester because there was a big need for it. Um, what are your ages? I'm sorry to interrupt. What, what, so are, the, we, what are the two ages? <laughs> sorry. Um, we start as young as three months old, and we go all the way up until they're 12, 13, 14, and they go off to a swim team. Because we don't, we don't have a swim team. We are, we are a four-lane pool, and I just, we, it's just not enough room to have a swim team, swim lessons, lap swim, water aerobics. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. To have a team in there. Um. So basically what we do, our beginners, our beginners actually can start at two and a half. That was one of the new, um, new levels that we just added. We added, it's called an otter toddler. Mm-hmm. They're two and a half to three and a half year olds because we've had such a huge uh, need for these little girl, little kids that just want to be away from mom and dad and they don't want to be on their hip anymore. They don't want them in the water. They want to be by themselves. So we actually can start them now by themselves at two and a half if a teacher recommends them to do it. Uh, do you have any criteria like they have to be able to stand on their own or independently move kind of stuff like pre-qualifying before they can get there? So um, teachers to be in that level, teachers have to recommend them to be in that level. So they're so they need okay. to already be in our program Got and it. do um, the mommy and me. We call it um otter babies um and um it's like a mommy and me because we have an otter baby one which is like the younger ones and then we have the otter baby two which are the older ones and um a lot of the kids were like swimming by themselves with a flotation device and i'm like hey, they're getting bored they're getting bored with the, the singing and the games and just doing a little bit here and there at swimming so um it's an interesting thing you have so there are, so for example, you have your otter babies are, I'm assuming like three months to a year and a half or so. And then a year and a half to two and a half is like your otter babies more advanced, like the older group because the infants are different than the toddlers. Right? Very, very. <laughs> I've actually learned, um, so we have a, it's our free swim lesson. That's the three months to six month old. Those that was so cool. Yeah, I looked at your website and saw the free swim lesson. I was like, oh, my gosh, I need to ask about this. So I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, that's actually where I uh, came up or I came up with my um, my owner. And we were talking about I would love to start a program where I could read to the kids in the pool. So cool. I want originally I wanted to start it as a preschool thing because I love doing picture books and like all that. So we get now we went into a free class. So we do it for the young, young ones. So we get all these plastic books and we actually do um, an activity for every page that we read. Oh, neat. So I have like four or five different books right now that we're reading to the kids. Um, So we read, do an activity. I let them go around with their kids. And I actually have learned that these kids actually can do so much more. I have them floating by themselves uh, with things around them, but you would never expect like a baby to be let go in the water from their parents. And these parents don't expect that either until probably until like a few weeks in or at least a month in. But what we're learning is that these kids are now going through our programs. They're in Otter Baby Ones now. And all the other parents are like, oh, my dear, I can't believe they go underwater. I can't believe they float on their own. They're okay on their back. They're not crying. So it's a huge difference seeing these kids coming from when they were four, three, four or five months. And now they're in, they're 10 months old and they're in otter baby one. And it's actually, it's really cool to see the difference between someone who's starting their kid at 12 months old, then starting their kid at six months old. Absolutely. So with this free class, is it, it's open to four months, like the youngest kids. Is that what it is? Yep. 
Okay. And then so it, if they are in between three months and six months, they okay. can come and uh, join our class. Uh, and that, so it's kind of like the internet concept of you get something free first to kind of grab you or the Walmart model, right? Like the, the lowest cost thing. And then you get them and then they love your program. Hopefully if you're doing it well. And then they yeah, that's, bite yeah. on and they go through the rest of the program, right? Like that's kind of. We feel like we open, we open it up to you. We open up this free class and you love our program and then we have you. Yeah. As exactly. a family member. In our in our in our school. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. I th- that's one. Wow. So where did you find the material for this? Is, did you create this? Did you where did you get the books <laughs> that you came from? Because this is awesome. Um, actually, my owner just gave me books, and it, and <laughs> okay. because of my teaching background, I literally I can like think of an activity off of a book. Because when you he, when you te- I taught preschool for seven years, so when you teach preschool, you always do activities to the book, and you can, if you are creative, creative enough, you can figure out some activities from a book sentence and do it into the into the lesson. Do you have an example for us? I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you have an example of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> of a game or, we or something? Have, we have a um, the first book I start with is a um, a little pig book that says bath time. Okay. And in the first page, he's actually painting and he's very dirty. And the great thing is we have paintbrushes. And um, our first part of our class is always conditioning. So we always talk about how we want to condition a child, get water poured on their shoulders, on the back of their head, on their face. So we actually have those paintbrushes. They're large. And the parent actually dips it in the water and starts brushing water all over them like they're getting paint on them. That's brilliant. That's like the first couple pages of the book and the first activity we do. Wow, that is so wow. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, you, you know, like from I, I, I imagine from your experience, you're like, yeah, it, it's awesome. We do it and it works really well. But it, most other programs don't have that ability to, you know, be involved, invested in it. Like the aquatic coordinator is probably not the person that's in the water teaching lessons all the time. So they're usually hiring a bunch of high school staff or uh, people that are just temporarily coming through a program, they don't have that motivation or interest. I'm assuming that you're in the water teaching this class sometimes. Uh, yeah, when I, I say actually this. teach. Where am I at? I'm probably like at maybe 10 hours a week still. I was at 20 and they cut my hours down so that I could be more on the deck and watching my instructors and making sure everything is running smoothly. And that should happen, right? I mean, you, you should be mm-hmm. training your, the rest of your staff. But it, it, I think it, it speaks to the quality of your program, too, is that you're in the water experiencing it as well. And then... I don't think I would allow me to not be in the water. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think my parents, the parents who come for lessons would allow it either. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's good. That, that speaks to the quality of your instruction, right? So, so that, and that kind of dovetails into the, my next question is how do you what what kind of things do you do to train your staff to do what you do and to like that? Have you trained someone to do this beginner intro class? So my bubbles and books class, I actually have never trained anybody to do it. Um, I had to come up with a curriculum myself. Um, so I've, I'm still working on it. <laughs> um, <laughs> just to like come up with what comes next, what's come, what comes next. And, um, I actually had I had to leave for um, a personal reason last week, and I actually had someone do. They're like, "Oh, do it like this class." I'm like, "No, it's not like this class at all." I'm like, "Here's the lesson plan. Try it out and see how it goes." But um, I, like I'm I'm mostly in the mo- I teach a lot in the morning, and then I teach um, some nights at night. But um, trying to get people into that that mode, I always keep saying you. I need my, I need my staff trained in preschool. They need to go to see preschool for a few, few hours or a few days before they come back. What, what would like they learn teaching. there? What would they get from preschool? Like, uh, what, what lessons can <laughs> they learn from there? Um, classroom management, um, how to deal with different abilities and different, um, games and coming up, like thinking on your toes because in preschool, if they don't like an activity, you're going to have to, try to help them like it or get something else out and help help them learn. Either sell it really well or give them an alternative. Is that what you mean? 
Yeah. So like um, they teach us in um, preschool that if they don't want to do a project that we have to have a backup one. Okay. Um, so you always have to have something on the back burner. If a kid doesn't like the activity, if they don't understand it, or if they want to, if they just want, or they're done, they want something else. <laughs> yep. How, <laughs> how do you know when they're done or they're not interested? What kind of cues do you see? In, I like, see, well, I, my first year teaching, I had all boys. So there was no art happening in my life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was smacking the plate, smacking the paint onto the thing and saying they're gone. I'm done. Two seconds and then they're done. So I've learned that it has to, it has to like, they have to be, um, they want to do it and they want to, they need to like it before they do it. Um, same thing with swimming. They, they need to be comfortable before they do something especially young, young little kids, or they need to trust you before How, they do something. Yes, yes, they do. They, they absolutely need to trust you. How do you, one of the things that I always recommend is that you give them small tasks and then you praise them for their success. You, know, you went underwater. You know how old you are. You went underwater that amount of times. You put your shoulders in the water five times. Congratulations. You know, you start with those mm-hmm. small things to build trust. Do you have any suggestions or tactics for your new staff that you give them to build trust with their kids and their lessons themselves? I actually learn a lot from my new staff. Um, they, they are super great. A lot of my new, uh, newer staff are really good about connecting with their kids. I have an instructor. She has her young, young, young ones pour water all over the, her, all over her head. And she's so like, she's laughing and smiling and having so much fun with it. And they feel comfortable that it's okay to get water on your face. Um, I have another instructor that literally tries to connect with them every time before they get in the water and try to help them make them comfortable. Um, um, he just tries to like get on their level and that's something really hard to teach is getting on to their level. Everybody's so used to standing up and talking to a child instead of going down, getting on your knees, getting so that your face is close to the water you're at eye level and he. He's really good about getting on eye level with kids and talking to them and getting them comfortable. That reminds me, when I I teach swim lessons, then I coach developmental swim programs of the beginners, five, six, seven, eight-year-olds. And at the beginning of every practice, I I give them a question about me or about swimming. So the other day, my question was, what vegetable do I eat every day at lunch and what fruit do I eat every day at dinner? And it was that's designed to create that connection, create that trust, that personal thing. And it's, you know, they're innocuous things like what do I eat for lunch and, you know, where was I born and what school did I go to? Stuff like that. Or what is I am? What is freestyle? You know, those things. Like I, I absolutely agree with that connecting to build trust. And then when they know, like and trust you, they'll listen to you when you tell them to put their head down and put their face in the water and uh, do those other things. Um, all right, so we kind of moved a little past your program a little bit. Can we swing back to there for a little bit and yeah. just uh, kind of maybe the first two levels, what like or groups after the baby classes? So like when they when you start mm-hmm. teaching them how to swim, like what's the criteria to get into the second group? So like the you've been in swim lessons, you go underwater. What are you teaching next? So um, we actually start right when they're little all the way up. And a lot of the skills that um, the kids need to learn, we try to teach when they're little and like a form of it and then move up. So after the baby class, we have our pufferfish class, which is the three-year-olds. They're on their own. And then there's two levels of that. Um, there's a, a beginner class and then a beginner intermediate class of those. So it's the ones who have the death grip. (laughs) Those are the ones. And then the twos are the ones that are okay with swimming with like a bubble on their back. They're okay. okay What is a bubble on the back? What is that? So wearing like a bubble or um, uh, some of our instructors. So I don't force one certain way on instructors. A lot of people have their own way of teaching. So I'm not a bubble fan. I don't like putting the, the foam on their back and strapping it around them. I'm just not, that's just not me. 
I worked at a program that it was only bubbles and it took forever to get them off. Yep. But yes, um, it does. a lot of my instructors like it. I don't, I use it once in a while as a tool, but um, I use noodles. Um, we also use these things called rocket noodles that have handles and a net that their belly lays yeah, in. Yeah, I've seen those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from Kiefer. We use those. Um, I actually tie a donut, I mean, a noodle on their back. So I tie a knot around a child. Okay. And yeah, I love that. Like really, the really well. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so we do that for our young ones. I do that. Um, uh, what else? They also learn, like, if that ever came undone. They also learn that, oh, man, I have to start working really hard to get over here now. But um, so we use a wide range of flotation and I don't force anything on anybody. So um, we use those. And then once they get comfortable sticking their face in the water um, and we do a lot of gliding and we have socks. What was that? That. Sock? um, Like a foot sock a dock with a d oh, excellent excellent okay yes like a platform they can stand on yeah. yeah did you buy those or did you build them where did you get it so we bought one and we want to build another one we only have one and um we have four lessons running at the same time most of the time and um it's something like i i would love to have another another of but um right now we don't have Right now we're not getting one, but we're focusing more on sharing than <laughs> getting more. <laughs> sure. Um, but they use that a lot to get the kids uh, comfortable from pushing off the wall. We also, in every learning pod, that um, they have a bench that's mm-hmm. actually in the water. Okay. Like what kind um, of a bench is that? Is that built into the pool or is it <clears throat> something you just dump in and then take out at the end? <laughs> they, um, it's <laughs> built into the wall. Um, Great. Our, our owner's husband, he is a construction worker. He's an engineer. So Ooh. they actually built us these awesome benches um, that go along the all um, the back of the wall and then on uh, one side of another pod. Um, literally, the kids can sit in the water, um, like up to their armpits if they're young or like their belly buttons if they're older. That's awesome. Um, so they use that to like learn how to glide. They learn how to slowly be able to be comfortable jumping in the water. Uh, it's a really great tool for our pool. Can you describe the pods, what you mean by a pod? Yeah. Um, so the learning pods. So basically we used to have one big giant pool and everybody learned how to swim around each other. Um, and <laughs> I, I know and what now, you're talking about. Yep. <laughs> so we used to have like two to three lessons in the pool and we all had to learn how to share. Now we have um, lane lines in the water. So we have four learning pods in, in our pool. Um, so we put our babies on. Uh, we have a, a zero entry pool, too. Oh, so awesome. one portion of the pool is a ramp. So the ramp is probably it goes from zero feet to three feet in about um, 10, 10 feet. And then um, the rest of the pool is four feet deep. OK, so, oh, that's great. Our learn to swim pool is really awesome. It is. Do you tell me you you do alligator walks? Where you in the shallowest part? You stand on your hands and put your lay on your belly and walk around on your hands. I've put it in the lesson plan. No one's really tried it. Oh, um, I love them. They're we so do. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> At first we used to, but we don't really do it now. We do a lot of um, looking down and getting sea creatures from the bottom of the pool. Oh, the babies yes. love doing that. Yes, that's fun. That's a okay. huge thing for them. All right. Sorry to interrupt. I just, <laughs> no, it's totally fine. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, let's, let's, let's kind of aim here. So to get into, so there's the clingers, the ones that don't like going underwater. They don't want to be let go. Mm-hmm. Then you have the, then when they are relaxed, they move on to the next group, which is they can go under. I'm sorry. Yep. They can yep. go on. They, yeah. um, they like getting water on their face. They can swim away from you, not cling on to you, um, and they're starting to get the bubble off of them. Okay, so then how do they get into the next group? What and what is that? So next group the next on? group is actually a kind of big jump. They have to be able to swim um, about 15 feet by themselves. Any kind of swimming or a specific? <clears throat> There's no specific as long as they do it independently. Uh, they actually have to do it on their front and on their back to move up to the next level. 
at the same time, like uh, rolling over, or e- like both fifteen feet. Both fifteen feet. So it's like a steep jump to, from one to the next. Um, how do you because, bridge that gap? Uh, excuse me. I'm sorry. How do you bridge that gap? Like what? What are you doing to get them to that point where they can swim? So um, trying to like really getting them putting their face in the water and really working on. Um, we teach them rainbow arms. Um, where they like basically freestyle arms. Um, so we actually have a, another beginner class at that level for four and a half to six year olds. Um, those are our starfishes. There's a star one and a star two. So the beginners are the ones who are really nervous, can't swim by themselves, or you get a mixture of, I'm four and a half. I didn't want to be with the three year olds or five, and I'm actually kind of comfortable in the water but I can't swim by myself yet. So it's a, we get a mixture of kids. Um, but we keep our ratios low. Um, it's either like a one to four or one to five ratio for our, most of our, the majority of our classes. That's pretty standard. So most you have, people don't go past that. Or sh- in my opinion, they yeah. shouldn't go past that. I don't see six kids, seven kids and one person safe. Yeah. But. I'm so used to that because I came from the Y and that's, that's what we had. It was six or seven, eight kids. Yeah, I can handle that many kids. Put bubbles on them. Let's go. It's just, yeah, it's a very different world from a YM, like my opinion from a YMCA to a swim school. Um, but working, um, working with these kids, you get, I feel like you get a lot more, you work with them a little bit more. So, um, what happened? So, um, we do a lot of um, technique work. We work on getting their arms out. We work on rotary breathing. We do we do do a lot. So so, so can I ask you when we're about halfway through here, um, mm-hmm. and you know what when you do work on rotary breathing, when you do work on arms over the water, are you teaching the swim 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 roll on your back take a breath swim swim swim, or are you teaching right away? It, or, or are you doing something else? Um, you know, arm strokes, turn your head to the side, put your face back down and breathe. Or is it something other than that? So, um, a lot of, so the, basically the model of our swim lesson is, um, get in, get wet, and then do a warm up swim. And that's where I bring in those games and the preschool aspect or the learning aspect of it. They, um, really work on, um, my young ones really work on, blowing their bubbles, coming up for air. Um, or when they're older, they eventually get their face in the water and they turn their head. So this is the time, like that warm-up part is where we really work on that breathing. We even start them when they're little about blowing your bubbles and listening to the pool. Listen to the fishes, talk so, to the fishes, right? Yeah, talk to the fish, listen to the fish. So I really when they're three years old or two and a half, I even have them practicing blowing their bubbles while they're swimming and looking at the wall. Um, uh, what is it? I don't really, we don't, a lot of us don't really teach that rolling until like the end of the semester. Um, but I actually just included it into one of my classes that are learning uh, freestyle arms. What'd you think? So they actually did really well with it. Mm-hmm. But, um, Normally, we just straight out just teach them face in the water, turn to the side, because it's such a hard skill to learn and do, especially mm-hmm. when you're younger. Mm-hmm. So um, we actually like kind of drill that into them, face in the water, <laughs> turn to the <laughs> you know, turn and to I'm, the side. Yeah, I'm totally on board with you. I, I want to start that as early as possible. And like you said, build it into your curriculum, into your activities from the beginning so when they get to it it's not new or different it's part of what it's the next step from what they've been working on ever since the beginning and mm-hmm. the side like the roll on your back i get it i understand it's like it's safe it gets you further but at the same time it's not swimming the turning ahead to the side it's you know we can teach that more difficult skill of putting your face down turning your head to the side and breathe and then the side, like rolling on your back is easy in comparison to that. And it's the same type mm-hmm. of skills. I, 
I, I'm conflicted on it still, but I, I I'm in yeah. your boat. I train and teach people to turn the head to the side and breathe as opposed to the rolling right now. I feel like a roll, like the roll is like a drill. And yeah. I, that's what I see it as. So I, I, I'm starting to incorporate it. I haven't seen, um, a th- uh, thing about it. I know a lot of it, teaching a lot of it is like about survival. Um, we're teaching our, our program, a lot of our teaching is distance. We have a lap pool. So we want these kids to swim a distance, not just survival swim. We just, we do want to teach them how to get to the edge and how to be safe, but we, we feel like it's a disservice if they don't, if they can't swim from point A to point B. I think that's, I think you said that very well. Yeah. I think that that's a really, really good way of saying it. It's a disservice to them that if they can't swim from here to there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our, um, one of our seasoned instructors, she's actually, she's a, a, one of our mentors that helps us with our lesson, lesson plans. And she, that's her motto. She goes, this is, I don't want to teach you to get from one wall to the next wall. I want you to get from, I want you to swim 25 yards and do it, do it safely and correctly. And do it well, right? Yeah. Yeah. And do it well. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. We want our, our swimmers, our participants, we want them to learn something and perform it well. Otherwise, what are we doing in our lessons, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. So how, what, what's next? Okay. They can, they can move from 15 feet. What, what do they do next? When do you start, uh, doing breaststroke kick or butterfly kick? Do you have that at all? Or, you know, where, where does that so come we, in? We teach that a little later. Um, we, we teach that when they move up into our, our youth lessons. So like when they're about six, seven, eight, nine in um, Manta Ray, that's the second to last level we have. That's when they start learning the kick. Um, but the great thing what um, we actually incorporated into our lessons is that all our levels go into the lap pool. They all learn about what is a lap pool? What is a distance? What do I have to do to get from this end to that end? I can swim in the deep end. So we we really like to introduce this to our young, young ones just so they know what it is. We don't want them to be petrified of it. That's the biggest thing to move these kids up to the next level is getting into the big pool and not being afraid. But, um, yeah, we, um, we do, we also teach them when they're a little bit younger, elementary backstroke and side stroke. So those survival skills, um, we talk, we do a lot about gliding too on your back and sculling. So um, we try to intro those skills young. How do you how are you teaching sculling? Because it's a it's it's a feel. It's a I mean if yeah. you know, it's like moving your hands in small motions near your waist or hips or above your head to get you to move a little bit. It's not terribly efficient, but it's it's more of a feel for the pressure of the water and then curving your hand to kind of pull yourself forward or or the, the difference between pushing out and pushing in is what makes you move. How do you, that's a, it, I haven't found a way to explicitly articulate it, you know, to a five-year-old or a three-year-old. What, what are your tactics to get them to do it without saying so what it is? In, um, have you heard of You Slim in Australia? Yes, love them. Oh, my gosh. So they do a thing called Pat the Dog that I actually use with my kids. Um, we have a ribbon and everything. So actually I stand them up against on the ramp because they can actually stand there in the pool and I have them put their hands at their side and they, um, and then they put the hands at their side and up against the wall and I tell them to pat the dog. So I tell them that the wall is the dog and I tell them to pat with their hands. So it also, it starts getting them to move just the hands and their wrists and, um, it, that's how we start with the sculling is t- talking about patting the dog. That's um, awesome. Hands straight down at your side, patting the dog. Um, we also do when they're on their front, we uh, talk about pushing and pulling the water. Um, when they learn about reaching and pulling, I um, there's these awesome foam puzzles that are square shaped. We call them paddle puzzles. <laughs> and we actually have them push and pull the water with them. Okay. Where'd you get so them? They actually, uh, the dollar store has them. They're oh, awesome. Great. Um, 
they're about the size of their hands. So it's almost like uh, the adult paddles, like when you um, do the pool buoys and the paddles on your hands. So we actually do that to get them to start using their hands. And they actually start learning about the push and the pull of water. Fantastic. So there's a lot of, like, I, I try to do, the big thing with children is giving them a target or giving them something to do to get them to learn. Yes. I actually have done a lot of different teaching styles. I've actually worked at a Montessori uh, school where they, um, it was all child-based and it was all, um, uh, basically the kids all did it. You didn't teach much. You just showed them how to do it and then they continued to do it to understand it. Is that like a exper- experimental learning, like self-guided? Yep. Okay. Um, so there was always, if they didn't do it correctly, there, it would show you why it didn't work. I love, I loved the concept of it. I just missed the, the traditional art and everything about preschool that I loved, but (laughs) I loved that way of uh, teaching. Do you incorporate that into your swim lessons at all? Or how do you, what what can you take from that and put into swim lessons? (laughs) So in Montessori, they actually do something called a silent um, presentation. So the teacher doesn't talk and the kids just look at her and see what she's doing um, or what they're doing to get the the project done. So a lot of the times I'll, I'll just show the kids what I'm doing and what I need them to do. And then I'll ask them after what I need, uh, what I did and what should we, we do and what should it look like. That is so cool. That is so cool. I did that randomly just because I thought it would be interesting (laughs) with my developmental swim team kids. I didn't talk, didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. I just kind of pantomimed and moved around and gestured. Mm -hmm. And then when they asked me questions, I just kind of shrugged and repeated the, this, you know, the thing. And then, and they loved it. It was like this huge activity. I I feel very validated now that you've kind of described that. (laughs) That's awesome. So it, it was does one that, of my favorite ways. Yeah, does does that work well in the swim lesson? Um, there's so much going on in a swim lesson. Only it only really works when it's quiet, honestly. But when it's like there's a ton of stuff going on, or there's a ton, ton of lessons going on, I, I their eyes are wandering constantly. Sure. Um, I do it more in the mornings with my other kids. Okay. Well, that that's a good good to know because that's kind of like someone's listening and they say, oh, that's a great idea. I'm going to try it. And then they go to their busy 10 classes and four classes and it doesn't work. They're like, oh man, they failed me. It didn't work. So if you're going to do this, use it in a, in a quieter environment or if you're the sole target yeah. of attention. Okay. We have about 15 like minutes. A private lesson. Yeah. Oh yeah. Perfect. Uh, we have about 15 minutes left. Um, I do mm-hmm. want to hit on, I want to know, I'd like to ask you about a game that you play that's fun and effective. But before we get there, how do you hire your staff and what do you do to train them? So I'm actually still working on this um, and hiring quality staff who are um, giving a hundred percent because I do hire the younger staff or that are inexperienced or that have some sort of child um, have worked with children, but not necessarily are swimmers. So um that's my biggest thing is trying to find like good help, but um, we're we're still working on the process of doing it. So what I do is I call them in for an interview. I try to chat with them. I ask them funny questions about lessons, like what do you do if a child's crying? What do you do if a child poops in the water? <laughs> like, <laughs> what are you, what are you looking for when you say what do you do if a child's crying? Because I ask that question too when I'm hiring. <laughs> What are you looking for when you ask that question? What kind of response do you want? I don't want them to just pass them off okay. to someone. Mm-hmm. My biggest thing, like when a kid's crying, like again, pulling in that teacher, um, is if, it, if they're doing it just for attention, I just take them with me. I'm actually kind of that, I'll pick you up and let's go. You'll be fine. Um, I, I really, I like I like them to help the child, but not like pour all their energy into it. Well, they have four um, other kids in the class, right? So yeah. Yeah. And I always, I always remind them, I'm like, you have three other kids waiting for you in the water. What do you do then? 
So it's, it's a, it's a really hard balance and it, and it's a really hard question, I think, um, because it's a lot of different moving parts. Um, and they don't know how, how we deal with things because we actually have a deck supervisor on deck who can actually come over and help with this situation. Um, so it's an extra body, extra person who can get in the water, um, and help and get them going. Um, my big thing is distraction and asking them questions, taking them on a tour around the pool to look at all the different things we have. Um, not just letting them sit there and cry um, or sending them to mom because they want to leave. They don't want to, if they, some of them are just so scared that they just want their mom. And I I just don't like when the, the swoop in and grab the child. And then they're going to be like, well, if I cry every time, I um, can have mom swoop in and pick me up. Yeah. Are parents allowed on the pool deck? No, we actually have an observation area. It's a nice, um, nice big area where parents can sit and uh, watch your kids swim. I, 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 if I, whenever possible, I recommend that tactic to have them not on the pool deck, um, because yeah. it, it lets <laughs> the kids, yeah, like reach for mom or reach for dad or whatever the case is. Like run, run to them. Yes, yes. We'll break free. And the parent running away. to the child. Mm-hmm. That would. I worked at the Y and actually, um, the bleachers were right behind where you taught. So you had every parent on the deck listening to what you're doing and their child, like either going back and forth. And this is where I actually made a really great connections with my parents. I'd be like, honestly, I need them back and I need you to encourage them to come back and encourage them to stay where they are. And, um, it actually worked a lot of the time. I would, sometimes I would get the, the look like, you're not my you're not my child's parent, but I <laughs> You're I like, do I like, do this every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you're you're allowing them to do this. I'm like, they're just gonna keep doing it. So I'm a big believer, like if they're crying and they are just gonna keep doing this, hand them off. I'm like, if you're comfortable handing your child screaming and crying, I am comfortable taking them because again, seven years of those parents dropping off and being like, Bye and you have to go to work and you have to deal with these kids crying yeah. all the time yeah. for so, months on end. I, yeah. So, so, okay. So you and I are comfortable taking that crying kid. Will you tell your new staff or your new teachers, just pick up that kid and walk into the pool with them, even if they're crying? Like, cause I've said that to my staff and I'm like, just take them. Like, and they look at me horrified. They're like, they're crying. It's like, it's okay. They're, they're fine. <laughs> they're just crying because, you know, they want something. They're not getting it. They're, it's not the end of the world. They're not in danger. They're not in pain. They're not, in, you know, it's not, you know, and you're using your, your judgment to, to find out in that situation. But, you know, that look of horror, like, are you serious? Like, I have to engage yeah. with this crying kid in a way that doesn't give them their way. Like, how do you, what are mm-hmm. you, are you doing that with your staff or can you kind of talk about so, that just for a little bit? I make my, I, I try to make my staff do it. A lot of the time, either I'm on deck and it, I just pick them up and walk in with them. Um, I've actually had a point where my, I've had, I had two teachers dealing with, uh, two little twin boys that were bawling and would not stop. And they looked at me and I'm teaching my own lesson of like one kid and they're like, I don't know what to do. I go, all right which I was like, come over here, come teach my child. I'll go over there. And the mom actually came, the mom of my child that I left actually came up to me and was like, you were a master of getting children to stop crying. <laughs> I was like, I inst- like, I went over there and I, like, there's four teachers teaching at this time. And they all look at me and like, they're like, what did you do? I was like, I gave them a boat and a watering can and we watered and we went back and forth and go, Destruction. That is the biggest thing. Cause I asked them, I'm like, do you like this? Do you like this? I, I just kept asking questions while we walked through the water. That is my biggest thing. If I get a kid screaming and crying in my arms, we're walking in the water until you calm down. We're not screaming. We're going to talk and, until we are okay. And I've actually, that's always been my way of doing it. And I, this year I've actually had to learn that I have to stop and rewind and take a step back because not every child is okay with that. And um, I had a little boy 
who's never been to school, never been in a program because he has so bad allerg- uh, allergies that are like deadly. He can't, he can't go do things. And actually mom just found our pool and our pool doesn't make him break out. Wow. So, What's different? What's different about your pool? Um, I think it was just a different type of chlorine that we have. Um, we use like liquid chlorine instead of a powder. Um, but he, I actually had, he didn't want to go into the lap pool and I actually dragged him in. I had the lifeguard give him to me and he just, he yelled at me for a solid 10 minutes. Like, I don't want to do this. This is terrible. And then I had to like take a step back and I go, what is going on? And I had to think about it. He's never been to school. He's never had to learn how to tell anybody about his feelings or how he feels or what he wants because mom has been there. So I actually had to tell him, I go, you know, you can tell me when, when you need help. And he goes, really? And he instantly stopped crying. He goes, really? And he's three and a half, four years old and he's very articulate. So he's good. And he was like, well, and then he just rattled everything off. And I felt terrible because I was like, this forcing thing doesn't really work mm-hmm. with everybody. No. And oh, wow. That, that, that's a really good insight. So you, you kind of saw what was happening you reevaluated your situation and then you from my perspective at least you looked at the heart of it or what you thought might work and then it was the answer you know it was you know you can tell me if there's something you that's bothering you you can tell me that and he did and then you acknowledged it and then adapted is that what is that what mm-hmm. it, I'm, that's what i'm picking up is that what you're saying yeah i think that's the big thing with all little kids is that they want to tell you something, but they don't know how to tell you, or they tell you and you're like, no, you're good. <laughs> I think it's like we have to listen to these three and four and five years old yeah, we do. to really understand what they want mm-hmm. or how to fix what they, what's going on. And I think it's important to create this distinction here is that as a swim instructor, we don't want to also suggest to them things that... Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want to give them fodder for them. Like, are you cold? Well, they're going to say, yes, I'm cold. Even though that's not really uh. the issue, you don't want to give them. <laughs> and your groan tells me you you know this. You don't uh. want to suggest, <laughs> yes. give them suggestions for things that they can say they don't want to do. We want to that's ask my biggest open questions. Thing. Yeah. Like, yes, what do you, what do you mean? open-ending questions. Yep. My instructors are very, they always, like, give the yes-no question. I'm like, stop. Stop doing that. I go <laughs> open ended. No, yes or no, because you're gonna get no every time. Yep. I go. Yep. You have to do an open ended question. You have to be like, you can't say, oh, can we do this right now? No. You <laughs> need to say, we are doing this. Or how? Like, how do you feel? That is an open ended question. Or what do you want to say? Or just those simple questions. But it's just trying to get people to stop and stop saying those yes no answer like questions. And get them to do the open-ended. Absolutely, it's very hard to teach. <laughs> yes, it is. How do you? How are you teaching your instructors? Are you doing? Are you training them in in services? Is this on the deck or debriefing after a class? Where is this instruct? I mean, you have a lot of insight and knowledge here. How are you giving that out to your staff? Oh, a lot of the time when I am training people, that is like my big thing. I make people train with me for at least forty hours. And is that as a, I'm sorry, is that as like a shadow mm-hmm. or is that as a, mm-hmm. in a classroom setting or what? what is that? What do you mean by that? Well, my instructors, uh, when they first start with me, they actually, um, they shadow with me or another seasoned instructor. And then eventually after about four to six weeks, they teach one skill or one portion of the class. And then we kind of help or guide them through it. Um, so I'm, and also during classes, I'm also trying to train them too and turn to them and be like, this is why we're doing this, this, and this. This is why I'm saying this, this, and this. Um, my biggest thing is you have to, I think people learn by doing, not by me preaching to you. Um, so I always try to get them to do what, get them to do something first and then work with them and see where we need to go from there. That, that's pretty labor intensive, like in terms of cost. Is that 
you've just built that into your program fees and the program costs as when we hire someone new we're looking for a high quality good instructor that's going to be with us for a long time and if we train them properly and while it's going to benefit our program overall and we're going to have more swimmers is that does that kind of accurately describe the motivation for doing it this way yeah um a lot of swim schools i've like i went to a training about this and they actually they do a lot of this intensive training even with their high schoolers um, I think I, I don't want just someone coming in and teaching their own way. We have a way of teaching and we know that it works and, um, we're more of a community more than you come in and do your job and leave. And, um, we do, and we, I really have a very high standard for my staff and because I had that high standard when I was hired. So, uh, like that's what I, I expect from them. And a lot of people tell me I'm very hard on my staff because I do have a very high expectation for can, them. Can I, but, can I ask you a question here? I know I'm, I, I'm interrupting. Mm-hmm. So when you're, when I hear you say this, I'm thinking, okay, in a, in a class, if I'm walking on deck and I'm, you know, on the deck supervising and I see them doing something that's obviously in a, like not inappropriate, but wrong or not the right way to teach. I'll get their attention, say, you got to do it this way and then make them do it the correct way versus the incorrect way that they were doing it. Are you, when you see it in a lesson, are you correcting it or because they're shadowing you for so long that that's not going to happen and then you're going to, because they're, they're learning it based on your, their apprenticeship. Yes. Um, so my first round of group of instructors, I did not hire or train. So now watching them, I've actually, some of them I've had to stop. I'm like, no, 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 no. Why why are you teaching three-year-olds how to swim on their own, on their back, in the deeper end, not on the ramp? <laughs> I'm like, no, oh no, no, gosh. turn around, bring the back. Yeah, what I are you doing? Safe. Please don't. <laughs> but, um, like, if it's a safety issue, yes, I will stop it and make them go do what they need to do. But I will sit there and coach them through it. I wouldn't say, just go. No, I would. Yeah. I, um, I try to sit and I try to coach them through it. Um. Other times I go, I'll watch it and I'll stand there and watch it for a while and see, see why they're doing it. Um, and I've actually learned like a few of them. I'm like, why are they doing this? Like, and then I'll go over and I'm like, oh my God, that's a really great idea. I'm like, why do you have, I go, why do you have three year olds using kickboards? I'm like, what do you, what do you, what are, you, what are they going to get out of this? I'm like, they can barely hold on to anything. And then I sat there and I watched and they, this instructor literally has these three-year-olds swimming completely flat with a donut and a kickboard. And I'm like, this is an amazing idea. So just watching it and I'm like, oh, that's why they're doing it. So I kind of, sometimes I, when it's unsafe, that's, that's the point where I'm like, no, nope. yeah, but well, yeah. if they're safe or I'll add something to it, I'll be like, oh, hey, why don't you try something like this too? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. But I'm also doing it when I'm teaching too. So yeah. I'm in the, Saturday mornings. I teach four hours straight and I have everybody around me and I'm like, Oh, what are you doing over there? Like, or that looks neat. Hey, come over here and see like what we're doing. Maybe you should try it. So okay. we still, we all try like bounce ideas off of each other still too. Well, that's fantastic. So, all right. We got one minute, like less than a minute left here. <laughs> Come up with uh, uh, or share with us a game that you play that's fun and effective, like a go-to game that you would play um, with with your kids. Um, I already talked about paddle puzzles. I love awesome, paddle by the puzzles. Way. Yep. Um, what else? Uh, we have these really awesome turtle eggs that are from Melissa and Doug. They are okay. yellow plastic eggs that have sea turtles that go inside of them, and oh, once I've the sea these. turtles are in the egg. Yep. They sink. Yeah. But what we do is we put the turtles on the ramp and the eggs on the side of the pool where the bench is. So they have to swim to go get the egg. They sit on the side and they actually have to hold the egg. And I call it clam hands where they hold the egg in between both of their hands. And they have to glide into the water. Mind you, I do this with three-year-olds. Um, they glide in the water with the egg in between their hands. And they have to keep it there. So they're doing streamline kick all the way across back to the pool to go get the turtle. Awesome. So they're doing like four different things in one. 
Ah, okay. Can I just say what I love about that game is that it's multi-step. It uses a simple prop, and you have stages in it that they. I'm sure after the first few times they know and love, and that it's it's an easy, simple thing to do that accomplishes both the skill. It's challenging and it's entertaining. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I actually um. With the older ones, I add uh, the dock into it, too. We call it the belly bar. And they put their belly on the bar, and they have to hop their body over it. So they're, like, doing a dive. Oh, cool. We had, like, we had so many more stages to stuff. Like, we try to, I try to get everybody's ideas, what they do in their class. Well, and I feel like some of this is, like, uh, just entertaining yourself as the swim instructor. You're coming up with new things because it's interesting and entertaining both to you and the kids as well. And we actually um, are theme our games. So like this month we're doing Dr. Seuss. Okay. Next month we're doing Candyland. So we theme our games and they're, they're the same game. Well, they're close to the same game, but they, all the kids love the different things that we do. What do you mean by that? Like they play it on the deck or how does that work? So um, right now, like Dr. Seuss, we have green eggs and ham. And um, I have in little boxes, like separated for each pod, they have enough to go get a pink ham, the top of an egg, the bottom of an egg. So I always do three, like three laps to go get things. And um, so they have to swim across, go get it, come back, either doing swimming on their back swimming by themselves, blowing bubbles, putting their face in the water, all the different skills that we've learned so far. And they actually build this plate for Sam I Am to eat green eggs and ham. That is so cool. They like they do fun things like that, or they make a truffle a tree out of the paddle puzzles because the puzzles can connect together and make the top of a truffle a tree. Or we do different shapes. They have to swim and go get a, a shape and match it to the shape that looks like the Lorax. Oh, wow. And everything is, yeah, everything is foam or um, something that's waterproof. And where, we do the same Where do you get these materials? Food. Is this at the, where are you getting all those, these, <laughs> these props? Uh, either I make them, mm-hmm. so I ha- I buy big sheets of foam. And, and there's I, your, um, there's your preschool teaching coming out, the buying yes, the own is. supplies for your own kids. And, yeah, okay. Yep. So um, I even have a printer that cut th- cuts things out. So I actually, this past winter, we made um, all the different animals for the mitten by Jan Brett. So they actually had to swim all the different animals across the pool, and we drew a mitten on the wall, and they had to stuff it in the mitten. That is so awesome. And so, like, they, they have a lot of great different activities to do, too. Um I'm like, what other games do we play? Right, like, well, I think we got like, enough. We're we're a bit okay. over, so I don't <laughs> want to keep you too long as well. And and, yeah. and you know the listeners as well. You have a wealth of information and experience and education acumen. I want to say, um, and and I'm thoroughly impressed. I I, I think you uh, are are doing things really well based on this conversation. Um, if you could just real quick tell people listening where they can find more about your program, uh, more about you and your lessons and maybe like the descriptions of your levels. I know they're on your website. Um, Mm -hmm. If you could just go through that real quick. So um, on our website, www.rootsaquatics.com is our website. We actually um, list all of our levels and what, uh, and the descriptions for each level there. Um, Unfortunately, our our awesome games are normally kept in house. But um, <laughs> well, thank you for sharing. Um, them. Appreciate it. I would love to. I would love to share them if mm-hmm. people are more than willing. I'm more than happy to share my ideas and send mm-hmm. them out. Okay. So. Right, yeah. Well, wonderful. Um. Again, thank you for your time, uh, Jennifer. I appreciate you coming on. Um. And and hope maybe we'll do this again in the future. Oh, yeah, I would love to. Okay. Um, All right. Thank you. Thank you.
So there it is and the end of our podcast. And I just want to thank Jen Butler for joining us on this podcast and spending her time to share her experience with swim lessons with you and with me. Now, hopefully we can get more of these podcasts in the future. If you are interested in being a guest on this podcast, if you run a swim lesson program or if you teach swim lessons, reach out to me, jeff at swimmingideas.com. I'd love to get your information, hear from you, and schedule time for you to come on this podcast and share your experience with swimming and swim lessons. Now, you can reach Jen at rootsaquatics.com. That's R-O-O-T-S-A-Q-U-A-T-I-C-S.com. Or if you go to Facebook, you can find the Roots Aquatics and Fitness Center by searching Roots Aquatics and Fitness Center on Facebook. Uh, you can also email Jen if you'd like at jenb at rootsaquatics.com. And she said that she was more than happy to connect with anyone in the industry, swim lessons, that is interested in learning more or sharing ideas on how to swim. And as you know from listening to this podcast, that's what we're all about. So uh, thank you again, once again, to you, the listener, for spending your time listening to our podcast and to you, Jen, for uh, sharing your wealth of knowledge with us all. Take care. And tomorrow we can teach better lessons together.